Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs handed us this one, and we gotta come through. We gotta find a way to make this fit into the hole for this using nothing but this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Let's get it organized. Okay, okay, let's go. Thunder Road 3 now online. How can I help you travel through movie space time today? Course entered. Apollo 13, 1995. Is this correct? Course set. Rewinding in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, Rewinders, and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 or more years ago. I am your captain of the former pod, Francisco Ruiz, and I'm joined by your exo and mine, Paul, the PaulJPowers.com powers. We are go for flight. That's great, Paul. Also, for this discussion of the film Apollo 13, we welcome back aboard Senior Archives Officer Celeste Mora. Hello. Hello, welcome, Celeste. In addition, we are glad to have back aboard Junior Archives Officer, Drew Dodgen. Hey, Drew. Roy, we have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you calling me Roy is the problem. And finally, we are grateful to have back Communications Chief, Ken Cummings. Hey, Ken. Well, I'm kind of surprised I'm here. I thought I was just in with the trash. Okay. What? (laughs) Why? Wow. Are you clinging on to the side of the ship? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Anyway, now that you have a quick flyby of who we are, Paul. Always a pain dealing with those Klingons. Paul, yeah. can you give us a quick overview of the production specs for Apollo 13? Sure. Apollo 13, The Dark Side of the Moon, was released October Wait, 8th in 2020. <sighs> Not rated, but it runs an hour and 10 minutes. Paul. It, yeah. Paul. So, yeah. so you think... I don't think that's 15 or more years ago. Let, let me ask you, Paul. Do you think you have the right movie? Do you well, think yeah. you have the right movie? Well, why not? You said Apollo 13. And, and did I say Dark Side of the Moon after that? Well, no, but I thought we already re- reviewed the original one. Your memories should not have returned to you until we did this. I thought they were slowly coming back. (laughs) I guess I forgot that. Paul, we're reviewing 1995's Apollo 13. Can you go back in time and rewatch it? Fine. I never knew this one existed. The 2020 version, yeah. But. Uh, I watched the first man, so I got to watch my movie too. Sorry. Uh, All right. So Ken's got to go back. All right. Everyone ready? Yes, okay. Paul. Apollo 13 was released June 30th, 1995. That one? Yes. Yes, okay. that one. Good. It runs two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> it's rated PG. It was directed by Ron Howard. It was written by Jim Lovell, which is that, that astronaut character yes. himself, along with Jeffrey Kluger, not Kruger, and Williams Broyle Jr., with lead stars being Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris, and music was composed by James Horner. Mm. You ready for the box office trivia? I am ready. Are you guys ready? Sure. Sure. Awesome. And anyone in chat? Bobo, I see you there. You're welcome to join in as well. Go for it, Paul. All right. (laughs) Apollo 13 was made for about $52 million, and earned over $335 million at the box office. Wow, okay. Given this fact, how high in the box office do you think it ranks among the movies l- released theatrically in 1995? Wowza. Okay, um, let's start with Celeste. What's your prediction? Oh, in the top 100? just uh, uh, It came there... out in 95, so let's go for top 95. All right, top 95. <laughs> okay, Celeste. 42. 42. Sniped Bobos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, Ken. 10. That's the countdown. Starting, so let's say 10. Oh. Uh, Drew, how about you? Five. Five. Four. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Two. One. I'm going to guess, I imagine it's higher than this, but just for the fun, I'm going to choose 13. Uh huh. And yeah. Bobo in chat goes against the grain and chooses two. 
So yeah, so right. minus the forty. Yes. All right. <laughs> yes, Paul. Where did it actually end up? Well, according to the hyphen numbers dot com, Apollo came, Apollo thirteen came in at number six. Oh, okay. So nice. Drew, I think, wins that with five. Good well job, done, Drew. Drew. Yes, you win all the marbles, the space marbles. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, space okay. I lost mine a long time ago. <laughs> I heard lots of things there. I'm not sure I wanted to hear. We're going to continue on, though. Thank you for those factoids, Paul. And let's see if any of them factor into our memory mind melt or subsequent roundtable discussion, which we'll get into once Alice is located our target film. Alert. Alert. Target located. Spoilers incoming. Establishing analysis vector. Apollo 13 flight controllers, give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. We are go for launch. Apollo 13. A million things could have gone wrong. Our next broadcast will be from the surface of the moon. One dead. Houston, we have a problem. The Odyssey is dying. Failure is not an option. We're just going to figure out how to stay alive. Tom Hanks. Apollo 13. Rated PG. Starts Friday, June 30th at theaters everywhere. I didn't Indeed. know y'all were in this movie retro. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? It says retro. Go for f- go flight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Well, you know, yeah. I, I am that. I, I look good for my really old age. Yes. That's There's right. a lot that's... of people in this film. <laughs> there are yeah. a lot of people in this film. Um, all going by uh, job names, not their actual name. And seeing all those people and that commercial probably jogs some memories for you listening. But what did they make us remember? And what memories do we have of Apollo 13? Let's find out in our memory mind melt synopsis for this film. It's the 1960s and Forrest Gump is going to be in Apollo t- on Apollo 12. But Doc says he can't go. So he heads up Apollo 13. Lucky him. Woody the Sheriff is a castaway in space along with his bosom buddy with aliens experience, Bill Paxton. And with one degree of Kevin Bacon, when they all footloose it to the moon, <laughs> it's game over, man, game over, as a big explosion, oh, a big, oh my gosh, explosion, causes Sleepless and Shuttle to say that famous quote, Planet Houston, we have a problem. But here's, but there's no crying in space, as Ed Harris takes turn uh, turns between directing Mission Control and The Truman Show to get Apollo 13 home. In the end, they made a splash home. Wow. So many references in that. But I think that was definitely... Decepted. But based on those memories as flawed as they were, uh, what rain did they lead you to predict for this film before you rewatched it? Classic, nostalgic, or tragic? Uh, let's start with uh, Drew this time. What was your prediction, Drew? I went with nostalgic, not oh, okay. because I didn't think it was a good movie, looking back on it, mm-hmm. but because I think I'd seen some others since then that were better, so I wasn't sure if this was going to hold up as well. Ah, I see. So okay. that's why I went with nostalgic, just to be safe. That's fair. Uh, Celeste, how about you? I um, was going to go with nostalgic because I remember falling asleep during this movie. (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. That's worthy of a tragic in the Francisco Ruiz book. But all right. Um, Ken, what was your prediction? Classic. Classic. Funny that I was talking to my wife. You want to watch this with me? She goes, no. I'll probably fall asleep again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Let's see. Paul, what was your prediction? I predicted classic. I remember enjoying and enjoying it. Uh, I mm-hmm. saw it in the theater and uh, maybe once or twice after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I also predicted classic. I remember it fondly. It's been a while though, so I was a little. I'm sort of. I was on that razor's edge of maybe. Maybe I should predict nostalgic, but I predicted classic. So it'll be interesting to see if those predictions pan out. But first, let's get into the things we liked most about Apollo 13. Let's spin up our... Best bits. All right. And let's start with Celeste. What's one thing you liked about Apollo 13? So I I really enjoyed the... Um, the music, the background music, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. it seemed to go really well with 
what was going on. Yeah. Even even when there there wasn't music, it was very well timed as to to create the the necessary intensity. Absolutely, yes. By James Horner. Yeah, and it's funny. I think Painfully the la- obviously James Horner. Really? Well, see, here's the thing. I was gonna except s- that one time when that one song came on. It- oh my gosh, Paul! You're just <laughs> looking for reasons now. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I, what's what I think is kind of funny. Uh, well, maybe it's not funny, but it seems like the last several movies we've covered now, James Horner has directed. Uh, what did he do? Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and The Rocketeer. Um, Maybe that's Mecca Jarrett's plan the whole time. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the Horner trilogy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm just looking. I'm trying to look this up to see if that's. Why am I doing it this way? Um, I don't know. Well, so you like the background music. While I'm looking this up, uh, Drew, my, did you like my the. Clairvoyance, my clairvoyancy does not work that, at that distance, Francis. Oh so I can't help you. That's great. <laughs> but can you help me with what you liked about Apollo 13? So. My like and my classic maker are about even. I had a hard time deciding which one was which. And That's if you fair. ask me after the show, I might change it. But uh, I'm going to go with my like being that uh, the authenticity oh, of, yeah. uh, of everything in the film. Mm-hmm. I, I was a space nut growing up. And I read. Yeah, you can probably blame Star Trek for that. But I mean, I. I I was paying it. Mean, I I studied like all the stuff you could as a kid could find, and it really did feel like everything was as I remember it to best of my ability. I mean, it's been thirty years, but good night. I, it just if this was it felt the movie felt extremely authentic and real. Yes, with with with, with everything they were showing. Based on a true story, right? <laughs> I do uh-huh. know it's based on a true story. What? I have actually seen the Apollo 13 space capsule. So, Ooh. oh, that's so cool. Um, I think the effects really helped with that believability. Mm-hmm. They, well, they still okay. hold up today. Uh, so, Paul, I was curious if that was going to be one of your likes. Because so often in these last few movies, it's like yeah. these effects, man. You, you can totally what? tell it's been. Honey, do- I shrunk the old. kids can eat it because these <laughs> effects in Apollo 13 still hold up to today. They were okay. really they well were. done. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine there's some combination of using the actual footage. Um, and then the whatever CG technology they had back in ninety five. I think it was all reshot. Oh, I really? Okay. Yeah, but I, I think was, I read that somewhere. But I, was I could be mistaken. Equally impressed. Well, there may be something I'm going to bring up later, but we'll yeah. save that. Okay. Okay. So, so was that one of your likes, Paul, or no? No. Oh, okay. that was just adding on to it. Okay. Well, what was one of your likes, son? Because what I already said the effects. One mm-hmm. of the the uh, going off that one of the things that made it believable for me was the makeup and in in that it was so subtle like when they started to get sick like Mm. they looked sick like i it it added to that level of believability it Mm -hmm. was so the the makeup was so well it became unnoticeable if you were looking like if you weren't paying if you weren't looking for that so i I was really impressed by that change Mm -hmm. and how they did it because i was looking at them like how did they do that? That's amazing. <laughs> they did a really good job, especially with, um, I don't remember his name, but the one that caught a cold. Bill Paxton. This, yeah. Yeah. Of uh, yeah. making him look like he felt like trash. Yeah, exactly. Oh, totally. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one, Paul. Yeah, I, I didn't, it was subtle enough that I didn't pick up on it, but you're totally right that it yeah. was well done. Um, Ken, what's something that you thought was well done about this film? So, in just a filtering process first off uh, i was alive for apollo 11 and 13 wow uh, but not I 12 was not i was not 12 well <laughs> fine funny um and i'm an aeronautical engineer by trade okay mm-hmm. probably became that because of apollo 11 oh wow anyways what the story was great i loved the engineers yes Coming together and making that CO2 cover. Yeah. Yes. Um, that, that was everybody, so good. Now, mind you, the astronauts themselves, not all of them were engineers. Armstrong was an engineer. And a lot of them had engineering background. But the engineers who went together and put this all together to figure it all out, how to bring it home, and, and the story overall. But see, Ken Mattingly, which is more, is more to that later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that it, the engineers did all this, that's what to me – it's a nearest rock and roll. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. You know? 
That was such a beautiful, and it doesn't last very long, but it felt like such a, just such a like awesome moment. And I don't, I don't know why it was captured, why it evoked that, at least for me, this like, okay, it's, this is go time. This is it. We got to do this and that they're Mm -hmm. able to do it and, and write all the instructions for it. It's just like, I thought that was amazing too. Yes. Um, uh, something that, uh, circling back to one thing I liked, uh, was the music as well. But one piece of it I wanted to really like, uh, hone in on when they're taking off. And I think it's when the first booster, uh, uh, falls off or gets, uh, not ejected, but, uh, detaches. And there's this horn section of, I just, it's just like, ah, oh, I love that so much. It, that has stuck with me ever since I watched this movie. It's, it's just so good. Um, but, and just, oh, and I forgot to mention this earlier. I don't feel like this was painfully James Horner. I've noticed painfully <laughs> James Horner drew back in Rocketeer and High I Shrunk the Kids. Not so much here, but all right. It's more subtle. I, I feel like it's more subtle. This feels more original than some of his past uh, This feels scores. more cinematic. If yeah, that, if, oh yeah. I'll go with that. I, I didn't say it wasn't one of the better ones. I'm just saying it's obviously James Horner. All right, all right. Just, just saying. But uh, what's Except not for that obvious... one piece that sounded like it came from uh, the Navigator. Oh my gosh. He didn't do the nap fly the of the Beach Navigator. Boys. I know, but there was one song. I was like, I've heard this before. Where have I heard this before? Oh yeah, Fly to the Navigator. All right. But I ha- what I haven't heard is your guys' classic makers. So let's get to that. Uh and let's I'm gonna start with you, Drew. What was your uh, classic maker for f- not Fly of the Navigator for Apollo 13? <laughs> hey, they're both space movies. No, um Compliant. they're spaceship movies. Anyway. Uh, no, my, my classic maker for this, and like I said, I was kind of going back and forth between this and my like, is the acting throughout mm, the entire film. Yes. But the moment that really, uh, stuck out for me was, uh, when they're flying, doing that flyby around the moon, mm-hmm. one of the guys tells, uh, uh, tells, uh, Jim Lovell, uh, you gotta, uh, you gotta come see this. And he just looks at him and says, I've seen it already. Yeah. And in that Mount, moment, Mount, it's like it Mount, spoke Maryland. so yeah. much. Yes. Just in not even with a lot of text. It was him saying, you know, that line, but there was a lot of just visually looking back, a lot of like so nonverbal pain, regret, sadness, pain, frustration, re- yeah, pain yeah. regret, yeah. and all that and all that between between all three of those guys. And it's like, oh, that's that's when you know it's it, the, the acting's gone is 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 good is when yeah. they don't even have to talk and you understand what's going on between mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a Fair great point. point. Uh, Celeste, what was your classic maker? Same as Drew's. I oh, loved okay. the acting. <clears throat> I thought that everybody in it did a phenomenal job, especially mm-hmm. um, Clint Howard. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Which one was Clint Howard? He, was, he had Ron glasses. Howard's Ron Howard's brother. He was one of the, the flight control uh, or Mission right. control he people. was the one with mm-hmm. the oxygen. He was the one ready, showing the oxygen going down, and told them to turn it off. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right. yeah. No, especially um, not Lovell's wife, but the other one, the one who was pregnant. Oh, she did yeah. a really good job of like playing the the mom who's trying to hold it together, mm-hmm. but she's also stressed out, and so yeah. like yeah. it's a minor part, but it's also it would have been very would have not made the movie as believable if mm-hmm. she had not done that part as well and so yeah. and of course tom hanks is tom hanks <laughs> so the actress was tracy reiner who ah. played mary hayes there thanks hayes, mary hayes that's right awesome uh let's see let's go to ken next what did you love most well it's similar to the other race but get the cast mm-hmm. oh yeah. my gosh i just i was sitting going tom hanks mm-hmm. bill paxton gary sinese ed harris <clears throat> kevin bacon Kevin quinn even clint howard Everybody on that cast, it was just tremendous. I mean, no one's talking about a true story and how do you evoke emotion for a true story and you do it. It's all, it's, it's all based on Jim Lovell's book. And so it was amazing. The cast just, yeah. just brought this whole thing to life. And yeah, I just, it, basically watching it now after how many years ago it's been, especially how, how much older everyone's gotten mm-hmm. and where they are in his life. Yeah. Uh, I believe Bill Paxton's passed away. Yes, or is he yes. around? Yeah. And so, I mean, everybody man. else. Yeah, so everyone else is still around, and it's like wow. And it's just like everybody, and Gary Sinai's character, uh, you know, is is phenomenal. And then of course Ryan Howard, 
I mean, he's I, I I had to go and figure out did this win an Academy Award? No, did not win an Academy Award. Oh. It got nominated for Academy Award for Best <laughs> Picture, and Ed Harris did get Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Oh really? Um, wow! Yeah, it's like yeah, well uh, I think the previous year Tom Hanks got one for Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. and I'm that like, really? This is, this didn't this is better than I forget what movie actually was actually won that year. But Sounds I'm like, like wow. the Academy. <laughs> but it was an amazing. Well, I was just, I was just sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this movie is great!" Mm-hmm. And the cast just does it, you know. So yeah, yeah. Cast. Uh, I will. I'll go ahead and you, we've all been sort of talking around my classic maker, so I'll go ahead and go with that. And it includes the cast, includes so much, and uh, I think you even said this, Drew, is that this movie feels so authentic. It feels like I'm. Watching a cinematic documentary almost. Everything just felt yeah. so real. Mm-hmm. Like they, they might as well have just filmed this it, while it was happening. It was just that level of authenticity. I think I said that already. But um, one part the especially – yeah, One part especially that – speaking to the acting, uh, I just adored – and here, here's some context for me. A lot of the time I don't really care for elderly – people in um oh, in movies mm-hmm. like uh Barry's not included okay. i think ken you were on that one i didn't really so care not only for are you disney <laughs> hater, but you're an elderly <laughs> hater as well not, okay. no i'm just i'm giving context i usually don't like elderly people in my movies but the, wow. the woman that played jim you know, francisco you're gonna be an elderly person one day and i'm not in movies i'm not in movies guys Anyway, ew! What's this old person doing <laughs> on my screen? Oh, <laughs> let me finish. The oh, one, he wants to speak the more. Actress who played who was, I believe, actually Ron Howard's mom, who played the grandma, Jim Lovell's. Uh, well, her last name was Howard, so I'm pretty sure that makes sense to me. Um, that it would be. I adored her so much. I just she, thought she, she was, was so great. good. Mm-hmm. Oh. Man, I especially was like, when can you be my grandma? They were like, you're great. <laughs> especially when they like brought her them in, uh, Buzz Aldrin. And yes. Uh, are you Neil boys Armstrong in the in. space program too? I'm so they're like, are you in the space pro-? Like just the, she played the mm-hmm. the line of, I don't know who you are, but my, my kid is yeah, on the moon. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I love how she comforted her granddaughter with like, don't you worry. If my if they could make a a, a dishwasher to a fly, washing machine, washing machine, machine to fly, my Jimmy could land it. I just it's just she played so many levels so well. I just I really liked her. So anyway, the believability acting. I think there's so much to this movie that was really great. So it's it's hard for me to really nail down one thing. I'm just gonna say, uh, uh, many elements of this movie. So that leaves uh, Paul, I believe. What is your classic maker for this film? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with most everybody here and say that the cast is the best part of this film. No, no. Yeah. But I'm going to go not just the main cast, but it was great to see the the lower, lesser cast, the B characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there yeah. were so many familiar faces. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we mentioned Clint Howard, but there was also Jimmy Olsen and, and Marty's brother Dave, played by Mark McClure in there. Wait, where, there was, who was he? These are all flight control people. He was a flight control. I didn't notice yeah. him. Oh wow! Okay. Well, what? Oh, oh, and that one guy. Yeah, go ahead. One guy from Hill Street, the go the main Dasa guy from Hill Street Blues. I remember him. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, really? And, oh wow. Okay. And Max Grodinchek is back. He he played Nog on DS Nine, and he he was also in the Rocketeer when we covered that. Oh, wow. Um, Jeez. He's in there, and of course we have. Um, Boys have a penis. Oh, yeah. Girls have a vagina. <laughs> From Kindergarten Cop playing the younger brother. Yes. And then the older brother is... Uh, Let's light this dude up! He yeah. is? Yeah, from oh, Three I Ninjas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> As, so there's a lot of people in this cast to, to look through for. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, guys, that is a fantastic list of likes, but alas, there can't be all likes. All There's not all sunshine and roses with these films, so I think we got to move on to... Did you forget anything for a second before we move on? Ken, you're totally right. did forget something. <sighs> yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot something. Thank you so much for the help, Ken. I yeah, I it's missed it. Good thing in my Ken's notes. done this, this before. <laughs> this is getting out of hand, Roy. <laughs> oh my gosh, really is. Okay, guys, there's one more thing I forgot. I liked. 
The Untold Podcast. The Untold Podcast is a speculative fiction podcast utilizing the genres of, the, of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at www.untoldpodcast.com to listen and leave them a review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, so the story of Apollo 13 has been told. In fact, it was based upon the book. Mm -hmm. So what does the Untold Podcast have to do with Apollo 13? Well, maybe you like some like tense sci-fi stories, which they may oh, have Oh, is this one. a sci-fi movie? Technically, I, it is a historical sci-fi. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I guess there is not, some fictionalized. There is some fiction. There are some fictionalized elements in the story. Wait, you mean Tom Hanks didn't go into space? <laughs> he did. I'm not, not kidding. If you lie. if you read back through the the credits, I know most people shut them off once that starts, and yeah. I know for Paul that would be slow and boring. Not to mention yeah. white text on black background. <laughs> but near the end, it did say that while based on a true story, some some uh, elements have been enhanced for dramatic re purposes. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. So so every movie sci-fi then has <laughs> been enhanced. <laughs> well, right. I mean, the multiverse exists in film, technically. Sure. But fine, Paul. I guess that's not technically related to Apollo 13. How about some trivia, though, about Apollo 13? Oh, yes. Much better. All Thank right. You. So did you all realize that Gene Kranz, who is played by Ed Harris in Apollo 13, gives a list of instructions to his team at Mission Control and finishes by saying, failure is not an option. Gene Kranz didn't actually say that during the Apollo 13 mission, but he liked the line, and it became the title for his 2000 autobiography. <laughs> Failure is not an option. Exactly. Thank you, Paul. So my question to you all is, what line slash quote from any movie would you use as a title for your own biography or autobiography? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Paul. Um, I would have to go with, I got a bad feeling about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, Celeste, how about you? I would have to go with just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, I like that. <laughs> uh, Drew? I'm going to have to go with mostly harmless. Where's that from? Mostly. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Ken, how about you? Do or do not. There is no try. Ooh, that's good. Oh, that's that is a good I one. I like it. Very cool. And Captain, what say you? Uh, back to the field. That's the, the tell of a movie. No, um, so here's some context, guys. If I ever, at one, one point in my, uh, this is something you probably don't know about your captain. I did get my, uh, helicopter pilot's license at one point. So if I ever go back to flying a helicopter in some point in the future, and that's like an arc to my life story, the name of the book would be Get to the Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> so All right. otherwise I got nothing. <laughs> okay. I, I knew you were taking lessons. I didn't know you got your license or I'd forgotten. That. Well, it's, cool. it's certainly lapsed by now, but yes. yeah. All right. Well, great trivia, Francisco. Thank you, Paul. And now that we've all had some trivial fun, let's find out what memories you, our awesome rewinders, had about Apollo 13. So D. Tungsten says, I haven't seen it. See, I haven't seen it in probably 20 years, but I guess I, I'd guess classic. James Felix says one of the definitive NASA movies exemplifies why you never give up, never surrender. No, he didn't say never <laughs> surrender. Wow. But he goes on Should to say, have. when failure is not an option, you study the problem and find a solution. And you, sir, are a steely-eyed missile man. Yes. Who Will Save Generation X podcast says, I remember that there is some sort of problem that Houston needs to be made aware of. Yes. <laughs> wow. And Philip Hurd says, great cast and effects. Ron Howard built suspense and fleshed out a true story that kept you on the edge of your seat. Decades later, he pulled it off again with 13 Lives, an underrated, an underappreciated recent film. Thank you all for sharing your memories. And uh, you know what? None of them seemed overly negative, but there might we may have a problem. We may need to phone Houston uh, after spinning the uh, oxygen tanks here because it's time to get to our... Worst Wolves. Indeed. And I'll go ahead and start 
off the dislike section. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> with, um, so, Celeste, you mentioned this is something you liked. And in a way, I, I think it's, it's valuable. In a way, but not valuable <laughs> enough. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. I totally understand why you, uh, key, why the filmmakers would cut to the, the, uh, astronaut wives and children. And I think there are several moments where those are important and are, are really capture the motion. But I think they cut to them for lots of reasons that seem like they don't add value to the movie. And I, I feel like they either need to extend those or do something else with them to make them more yeah. impactful. Cause, uh, like one is, I think you see, um, I forget her name. What's, uh, Lovell's wife's name? Jen Lovell, uh, Mrs. Level. Mrs. Wow. Wow. Mount Maryland. 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 Um, she like just walks into a room and you see this. Uh, sometimes this works. I feel like it often doesn't where they use the lens that half of it is in focus for one length and the other half is focused for a close up. And so in the middle, yeah, there's that's a blur. called depth perception. Yeah. Well, but so it's so that you can have two objects in very far distances in focus. Mm -hmm. And so they have that for the NASA speaker and her, and she like sits on the chair and she's upset, crying, of course, as the NASA speakers go. I'm like, this doesn't need to be here. I, I we really don't need this moment. We know she's sad. I feel like this. Oh, she's crying. <clears throat> Get her off the screen. She's like one of those elderly people. <laughs> so emotional crying no, and elderly not people. Not all the time. I just felt like there needed to be more to that than just showing her and a speaker. I felt like that you, they, they wasted, uh, what would have been an otherwise more impactful moment. So I, mm. I and I feel like they did that a lot with the, yeah. the women in this, in this film. So <clears throat> that was my either cut it or make it better. So that's, that's, that's my, my dislike. Um, let's I'd go agree with that. I'm not about the, the like <clears throat> emotional nonsense, but yeah, it, it could have been cut. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, let's go to Celeste next. How was I wrong, Celeste? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't disagree with you oh, entirely, okay. Okay. except I feel like there should have been more of the people on Earth mm. in the movie. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I found it confusing. Like at the beginning, the it it shows his older son and younger son, and then all throughout the middle of the movie, it just shows the mom with the two daughters, like mm -hmm. going to Til grandma's house the and going here and the there school, until yeah. the end. The boys are back, and it's like, well, where were the boys the whole the whole except movie yeah, yeah. in the middle? Except for that one who at the end is at military school. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but we didn't know that till the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, there were no. There are several shots where. They said that he's in the military academy and they showed the whole class watching it. Yeah, but that was at the end. Yeah. yeah. It's it was one of those things of they could have filled in some of the quieter portions of the movie mm. with dealing with the uh the the backlash of what's going on on earth. Mm -hmm. They could have dealt with the with the the other families, because there was other people mm -hmm. that yeah. were involved, like mm -hmm. could have focused on on Mission Control's family, the guy whose wife made him the vest. Like, oh, like, that would have been cool. Yeah. Like she's not necessarily a part of the main story, but it would mm -hmm. have been cool for her to go. My husband is dealing with this and I'm I'm concerned for him because clearly mm -hmm. she was involved. So, yeah, I I agree with that to an extent. Celeste. I feel like there's so many characters already that that would It'd be hard to add more characters, but I, I totally fair. get what you're saying with that. I don't, the, the one character that I feel like we didn't really need much of was the one played by Xander Berkeley. And I like Xander Berkeley in a lot of things, but he's like this guy that does, he's like a press person, um, mm. that, that talks with, uh, Marilyn Lovell some, talks with the press some. And I, I feel like most of his scenes, he's one of these that I, I feel like, I don't know Was why he he's just there. like a way to connect the characters. I guess, yeah, it's almost like an audience surrogate in a way. For it's what's funny, going it's kind of like that guy from Grumman. You know, it's like, you know, Gene, it's not. It's the, we never turned on before. He goes, "Don't worry about it. We're not going to sue you." Kind of, it's like, you know, get oh, you in trouble, yeah. right? I'm like, yeah. what? Wait, wait, what? I mean, it's a legitimate statement. He said that they never did it before, but I'm like, really? Was he actually thinking that? It was like, was that the way the culture was that if you have, if you make a mistake at that, like. 
thought that was kind of out of place with the movie, trying to get yeah. this thing like you're trying to cover your butt. Yeah, and I don't know what the yeah, and both those moments I know what you're talking about. I don't think they added anything. It just was we're we're already tense enough. We don't need to add more like that. That felt yeah. like um yeah, unnecessary for sure. Uh all right. I get the oh. while I've not read the book, I get the feeling that may have been an element <clears throat> it was in the book that oh. they were trying to preserve. Oh, but maybe, the book yeah. can do more than the two and a half hour movie can. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, yeah, for exactly. sure. Um Andrew, what do you feel like this movie could have done more of or less of? So normally, I will admit, this is a horrible nitpick. <laughs> okay. Normally, I am a fan of opening credits. Mm. Unless, well, I, I can understand why Paul doesn't like some of them. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been re- regretting as time has gone on us losing opening credits uh, but this movie actually has a pretty decent reason why you pr- why you maybe don't always want opening credits because they you at the end of the film you have this dramatic moment it's like are they going to survive and if you don't know anything about the actual story you may not know if they survived the, yeah. mm-hmm. the landing or not right. unless you were paying attention to the opening credits and saw the thing where it said based on a book by Jim Lovell oh yep. yeah it's not like he could have written it before the crash so <laughs> it's it's a horrible nitpick it really shouldn't matter yeah. but. The first thing I thought of when I got to that point was like, well, this is overly dramatic for the fact that we know he survived. <laughs> oh, so you're saying because he saw the credit with his name, you knew the ending. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily any, but I knew he survived. So this whole dramatic, you know, three and a half minutes, four minutes, we've not heard from them, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, mm, we know he survived. There was a credit yeah. no, getting I felt the yeah. same way book. when I when watching this for a second and third time <laughs> <laughs> I, like I said this is a horrible nitpick no so I get that point because I mean I the detention for me at times is the fact that how close yeah they came to dying yeah yeah, yeah. but I, I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to think of this from the perspective of somebody who went to the theater 1995 just because it was the brand new action Hollywood blockbuster yeah. movie and maybe did not keep up with history or the news at the time and did I mean, not know does. if the, the new Apollo 13 had this trouble. They know the line Houston, we have a problem and all that stuff, but they may not know how the, how it ended. So but did you die? <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, it's a horrible nitpick. It really doesn't matter, but that's why they always say, if you're going to watch star Wars, don't watch episode uh one, one two, two and three until yeah. you watch four and five mm-hmm. i actually believe agree with this father like i already knew that i saw one two and three yeah <laughs> i actually agree with this so yes. okay that that's totally fair drew so next time when they do a re-release they should say written by john Lovell's ghost and really mess with people no 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 i'm just, just saying for save the credit, the credit for sa- saving the credit for the no, based yes, on a story by course. the end credits that's yeah, yeah. all i'm Absolutely. saying um. All right. Uh, let's go with Ken. What's something you didn't like? You know, it's funny. It's not a a bad thing to me. It's about the reality. What really got me was the fact that they like Ken Madeline. You know, has measles, or mm-hmm. they might have measles. And yeah. He scrubbed him. He's like, he's like, I get measles, okay? Or, but they knew because for me at least in 1964 when mm-hmm. I was birthed, okay, mm-hmm. my mom had German measles while mm-hmm. pregnant. Oh, really? So there was an epidemic in <clears throat> 64. A lot of kids were born with hearing losses and blind and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I have a hearing loss, okay, but I'm not deaf. Uh, and and so uh, the the for me, I'm like, really, you scrubbed him off because he had he had got he possibly came in contact with measles that to me was a bad thing it was a sad thing mm-hmm. and it was true but it's my it's one one of the things i didn't like with the movie but it's also reality and i get yeah. it okay mm-hmm. just like yeah. wow his and so i looked him up right and i think that uh matt and lee did go to the moon i think another apollo level oh that but i forget but it's like the way of life is just changes overnight with someone being exposed that's yeah. why i didn't like what the movie is all that's i fair. thought lieutenant dan didn't go to the moon because <laughs> he didn't have no legs <laughs> no, that's, that's true true it helps to have some legs even though wow. you don't need le- legs flying in space you know yeah i mean not necessary i mean, I mean you got to pump the brake or something i don't know they did have that crime on the moon that they on the moon they could really use a csi agent for mm-hmm. so i um, I will I say, know. and this may come up in the spiritual speculation, but I think it's actually uh, some something uh, I wonder about is if he had gone up, 
I don't think Jack Swagger would have been the one to have figured out the the whole power situation to get them mm-hmm. back home. So that's just so an interesting. So we'll get thing. there. Yes. Yeah, since, yeah, I have. That's something that I mm-hmm. liked. I thought about them too. Yeah, yeah. Movie. Um, that leaves Paul. I think before we get to yeah. our tragic makers. Well, going off what Ken said about reality, this is a, a little. This may be a false. It's a little too wrath. Well, it's it's just like in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where it said one of my dislikes was like, "Oh, the ant is the same size as as the scorpion." But then on, I think on the research, rocket is that big. <laughs> is they there are species of ants that are as oh, big as scorpions and vice versa. I, so this I looked may it up. turn. I looked it up. I think you misread it because there's no six inch ant, Paul. There's one point six inches. But maybe there's no it was six, six centimeters. And oh, I read maybe that's what it was. Yeah, or but, something like and, that. But anyway, there are small scorpions, but not. Oh, okay. Anyway, regardless. But so this might turn out to be one of those where it appears like it could be wrong, but maybe it is right. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we have some science people here. So what what took me out of the movie is when. Um, they're coming back to Earth. They're in their little capsule and they're just they're going through the the atmosphere mm-hmm. and it's like burning mm-hmm. and the the parachutes haven't re, uh, come out yet. But as they're going, the the ice from space and and the moisture is melting. And as they're going down, the water drops are dropping mm-hmm. fast within mm-hmm. the ship. Mm-hmm. But if they're at a free fall, the water should be falling at the same speed and not dropping down on them because gravity. I hadn't considered that. But because here's because the way they were. It doesn't matter how you're tilted. The water should be falling at the same rate as they are. Here's the thing, though. I feel like all the friction of the atmosphere is making them move slower than the gravity pulling the water toward them. But they're at a free fall. They have the chutes haven't deployed. Free fall is different from going through the atmosphere, though. Because all the friction is causing the the fire. You know what? There's only one way to solve this. Let's go up and find out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I don't okay, particularly want to be me, in that situation. Let me get Elon on the phone real quick. Hold on. <laughs> it wouldn't come off. It would just stick. It would be. It, yeah, it would. It, it would melt and stay where it is. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Because unless it's on, the, it's, it's unless it's in front of them and it comes up to them. Yeah, which. Yeah. But, okay. Fine. They're, would it, they're would facing. It go, would it move? They're up? facing the, the space. G, their the backs are to the Earth. Should be moving all that condensation to the cone, not towards the 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 heat shield. I don't okay. Know. So this took me out of the movie because. <laughs> so <laughs> I've ridden a roller coaster. I know how those G forces affect you. Yeah, I lost a penny or two. <laughs> oh all right, I I don't. Oh, oh no. I I don't know, Paul. I I think I can at least rationalize in my head, but I could be wrong. I'm not exactly. I was like, you know, I don't know the science behind it. I think it's. I could see it going either way, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I was I was. But as I was seeing those droplets in the in the pod, there, I was going, I question this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it was dramatic, but you're right. Yeah. So then, let's get to our tragic makers, guys, and. Um, let's start with Celeste. What's something you, what's the thing you hated most about this film? I hated the pacing. Oh, really? Houston, we have a problem. (laughs) I, oh, it was too good and too fast. You're like, ah, slow this thing down. It, it had, I hate it when it's too good. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I agree with you, Celeste. Go for it. It went between being like super intense and super engaging to just nothing. Mm. like we're just slow and boring floating around <laughs> yeah exactly like my the reason i put this as nostalgic is because i feel like it's one of those movies that you should watch at mm. least once mm-hmm. but honestly there's a reason i haven't seen it since i was a teenager yeah. because the only thing i remembered was that i fell asleep a lot when i watched it interesting and ed harris scares me so <laughs> the only defense i have for this is that it being based on true events? It doesn't necessarily follow the dramatic it's story arc. Well, and that's true. And, so, then, <laughs> and then also, knowing that 
that Jim Lovell wrote it makes a lot more sense to me because he was very analytical. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, you mean he was slow and boring. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he's he's looking at it from a technical point of view. Mm-hmm. And really, we as the audience didn't need all the technicals. He could have glazed over some of that and it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. No, I, I had the engineer liked it. I guess because I liked some of the technical stuff. But, well. uh, here's here's what I'll say to that, Celeste, for me. I unfortunately had to watch it like split up a little bit throughout the day. I couldn't just watch oh, it like all the real world. One, I can't watch it all in one sitting. However, yeah. as opposed to other movies where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've only been through 30 minutes of this. I'm like, I'm like, I want to get back to this. I want to get, I want to keep going. So I, I was always enthused to come back to, to keep going as opposed to some of you weren't like, paying attention to the credits. You didn't know if they were going to survive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's true. I wasn't paying attention to the credits. <laughs> because the credits were slow and boring. Oh yes. my word. But okay. That's, I mean, if, if it was sort of slow to you or it, it was poorly paced for you, Celeste, I, all right. That's totally fair. Uh, Ken, that doesn't sound like that was your tragic maker at all, but what was your tragic maker for this film? Well, you know, what's interesting was that I was, it was a struggle to find any bad things in this movie. Mm. I dearly enjoyed the whole movie. That's why I was, I was shocked to find didn't win an Academy Award yeah, yeah. for best picture. I was yeah, just, I move over Braveheart. Well, oh, Braveheart. Yeah, Braveheart. That's right. Okay. Yeah. One, yeah, that's, that's right. yeah. So yeah. I get it. I get it. And I mean, um, I like to kiss. I mean, nothing take away from Celeste. I like the pacing because of how it went from being very uh, uh, shocking and, and fast because like the moments of panic and the quietness that happens when those guys are just sitting there in the capsule just waiting. But mm-hmm. my 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 uh, tragic maker was the fantasy scenes of Jim Lovell uh, on the moon. Oh, on the moon! Yeah, while they're singing around, sing shouting around the moon, they're like yeah. fantasying about how he was on the moon. No one right? daydreams. Well, I understand daydreaming, but why is this in the movie? Could nothing to do yeah. with it except the fact that you oh. missed it. I guess in a sense, I read Jim Lovell books in the book where, like, you know, I, I as we were going around the room, I was that sat there just daydreaming about me landing. You know, we, I. Th- I think it's to sh- it's to dramatically show his want and mm-hmm. what he's missing and mm-hmm. but that could have done that could have been done in three seconds not three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I will. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ken. No, I'm that, that that's well said. Yeah. I so guess, it's know. interesting because that dovetails very well to my tragic maker. Um, I will say I think that that the, that dream sequence I think it could have been shorter for sure, but him. In in that dream, looking at the Earth from the moon, I think is a helps him helps us as the audience and him realize no, my mission is to get home to the to Earth, not mm-hmm. to land on the moon. However, yeah. well, that was weird. Did oh. they really? Did those guys really think about just dropping down to the moon? He's like, say, oh guys, guys, no, we need to get home. Like, well. Uh, so, were they actually thinking about dropping down? Okay, would you stop I mean, talking about right my tragic maker, which is a, essentially Sorry. that right now? <laughs> oh, my. Okay, I thought we were fine. going over tragic I know, but anyway, so there's this moment where, uh, just like you were saying, Ken, where um, they're looking at that and and then uh, Jim Lovell, Tom Hanks, uh, sort of stops. This is right, pretty much right after his daydream. He says, gentlemen, what are your intentions? And it seems very out of place. It's like, uh, mine is to get home. I mean, and that's good. That to get home and sort of refocusing, that's fine. But that seems very out of place. Apparently, uh, this this is IMDb trivia I was reading. Um, the there's more context to that. Apparently, the the um, uh, Jeff uh, Fred Hayes and Jack Swagger were taking pictures of the moon and stuff. They were very distracted and they weren't focused on what they needed to do. So that's what compelled them to say, "Hey guys, where are your intentions here?" Mine's to get home. And uh, so I think, I don't know why they didn't, they spend time with tons of other things. I don't know why they didn't spend some time just adding to that yeah. context some. Mm-hmm. But uh, but but I can see what you're saying, uh, Ken. I think that dream sequence was a bit too long. Um, I think the dream that his wife had, though, uh, I think that was important to sort of, Add yeah. to her Show tension her that she, her fear, and then her losing her wedding ring, which actually happened apparently. I think all those sort of omens are, were great. I want more of those with the at home characters. Anyway, 
That is my treasure maker. I get it sort of links to your treasure maker. And let's hear from Drew. What did you hate most about this film? So I didn't get a chance to look up how many of the shots in here were uh, practical effects and how much CG they used. Because mm-hmm. mm. I could tell there was at least some model work in here. Mm. Sure. But there was one moment where it's like, oh, yeah, this did come out the same weekend as Power Rangers because the CG is about that bad. <laughs> it's the and that was the uh the waste dispersal part yes. oh, oh. because particle effects were the best back then you got the cart the, the animation guy on here i'm gonna notice this stuff. <laughs> the, the particle effect i looked and went oh that's pitiful <laughs> granted it's the best they probably could do in 1995 yeah i guarantee you this movie had a ton more budget than anything else that came out that year mm-hmm. uh, power rangers including especially power rangers but i was i i looked at that and went oh that that could be sparks that could be the, the only reason we know what that is is context <laughs> yep that's fair yeah yeah and so that's a, that's just a little thing that bugged me and burrowed in there granted like i said i have no idea how the cg was used in the rest of it though i have some suspicions but the one that really just and for them and if there is cg rest of it it mostly blended in perfectly mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. one moment yeah made me go oh you should have spent a little bit more time polishing that urine <laughs> <laughs> wow uh paul you're in deep with tragic makers so what was yours how is that segment? yeah me too but <laughs> i'm gonna have to disagree with drew and oh. and not spend more time just Cut it out completely. The I whole, go with that too. The whole thing. I I I'm I'm right along with Celeste. It, this movie was way too long. Oh, it was okay. so slow, and there are a lot of unnecessary scenes, like I mean, the whole urinating and the talking about it. We've talked about so many things that could have been cut. Yeah. But like it is just it, it's it's not you. It's at the fifty one minute mark where we finally get Houston we have a problem I mean that's a long way that's over half the run character development movies like we don't need Mm -hmm. that there's a lot of stuff going on let's get to it I agree Ken I think a lot of character development happens in that that you there it's unnecessary and it slows the pacing down and it could have just stopped I'm going to tell you well actually I'll say I think you're wrong (laughs) well you can think all you want it doesn't mean that I am (laughs) I will say when I was trying to think back on this one before I watched it, I could have sworn the Houston we had a problem was like at three quarters of the way through the film. But yeah. then I had my memories of the whole film were jumbled. I thought a lot of that stuff for some reason was before that. Oh, I don't know why. But because the pacing is off. I, I don't know. Also, I, don't, I watched this movie when I was 10. <laughs> I don't think it's a pacing issue. I think it's too many uh, superfluous too many scenes. scenes. Block. Up, yeah. That, so the pacing is but off. I don't, I don't of think it. I don't think it changes the, I don't think it affects the pacing overall, but I, I can see what you guys are saying. I can see what you guys are saying. And you know what? Now that we've said all our pieces, what? Uh, <laughs> now that we've, now that we've entered all our I said my firing piece. trajectories into the firing computer, Alice, you have a firing solution for us. Oh, it's time for a solid Firing solution complete. Travis. Sound authority accepted. Second time. Ratings prepared to launch. You could have told me the first time, Drew. Uh, I was now. I (laughs) didn't want to talk over Tom Hanks. Now it's time for the moment of truth. Do we rate Apollo 13 a classic? We'd recommend anyone go see this, whether or not they've seen it before. A nostalgic, it's worth revisiting if you saw it as a kid or a young adult and you have fond memories of it. Yeah, give it a rewatch. But if you've never seen it before, probably just pass this one by. Or is it a tragic? Uh, we'd recommend no one see this. If you've never seen it before, keep it that way. Go see maybe Apollo 13 Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> um, no. And if you have seen it before, don't sell any good memories you have of it with a rewatch. Apollo 13 Dark Side of the Moon only has like a star rating of two on IMDb. Well, what did so they that's, know? Wow. <laughs> that's pretty low for IMDb. Okay. Uh, Let's start with Celeste. What is your, you had predicted nostalgic. Where did it end up for you? I'm going to put it as a classic. Really? But it's so poorly paced. 
while, while I would not say, yeah, let's watch this all the time, I do think it is important for everyone to watch. And the acting is just so good is, yeah. that that if you can, you know, do something during the slow parts to keep yourself all awake, then <laughs> it's it's a good it's a very good representation of a historical movie. Jessica Tandy, take note. This is how you act. Wow. <laughs> the Oscar winner needs to learn. Okay. Uh, but thank you, Celeste. Okay, so classic from you. Uh, Ken, how about you? Classic. classic. Absolutely classic. What? Oh, my gosh. Even more classic than when I first started thinking about this movie. Really? Oh, wow. Watching it again. I said, I, said, I, went, I had to go. Didn't this win Academy Award? Mm-hmm. It was nominated. It win, like you said, Braveheart won. I'm yeah. like, this was so good. Ron Howard did a great check. The acting, the script, the story, the engineers, the whole the whole thing about what NASA did. You know, bringing people back to the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, whether whether Gene Cernan said it or not about we there's no option to failure. Right? It was they, that was NASA. That was the engineers. That was that was the Apollo space program that did that. The train they did over and over and over again for every simulation. Even the CO two scrubbers. Okay, apparently I read a story that. The it, the uh, people who had the scrubbers actually did run a simulation about how they could do a square in a circular to see the possible. So it wasn't like it was totally unfounded, but the the whole movie just perfect. It was just like yes, classic. Awesome. Now, if only we actually went to the moon, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> we did before and after. <laughs> uh, let's go to Drew next. So you had predicted nostalgic. Did it stay that way for you or change? It actually went up to a classic. Whoa. Whoa. And that's not a big surprise because I just wasn't sure if it was going to hold up after, mm-hmm. you know, what, 30 years now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is hard to think that's been 30 years ago, but either way. Right. Uh, Jeez Louise. That, it, it just, it held up well. Like, like I said, the only real issue I had was that one CG moment. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I can see why some people may not like this as well, but it's a classic film. And I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, now let's go to our uh, reflux capacitors. Uh, last time I checked, there weren't any votes, and that's okay. We appreciate oh, you guys for supporting sorry. us anyway. Oh, well, you, you wouldn't double vote anyway, Ken. <laughs> yeah, I so, could have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, <laughs> How would you have known? But we have he no votes help. from you guys, but thank you, everyone, for your support. Uh, so let's go to Paul next. What was your uh, – you had predicted classic. Where did it end up for you? Um, I, Seriously, the pacing is an issue for mm. anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. So I'm going to rate this, unfortunately, a classic <laughs> because it, it, it is a great – You had me going there, Paul cast great story but watch out for the pacing all right that's fair um for me i i had so much emotion going throughout this movie and i'm not really sure why uh, some of it was i think being a dad some of it was just the the tension of are these three going to get home because apparently i missed that in the credits whether <laughs> that it was written by the um i mean yeah it's a good movie well acted everything you guys have said i just i I felt so invested in these characters. Um, and so it's definitely a classic for me as well. What? So, um, I'm curious. So according to the Retro Rion podcast, we rate Apollo 13, a unanimous, wow, with five votes, unanimous classic film. I'm curious, though, would you all, we'll just go real quick. Is this your top Ron Howard film? Like, of all his films, would this be the one you say people should watch, or would you put something else above it? I don't. Solo. Solo. <laughs> I don't know enough about Ron Howard to know. Yes yeah. or no? I'm watching IMDb. Yeah, there's. Well, back, I know that. Backdraft. Um, uh, Willow is one of his. Um, Apollo 13, of course. Yes, Solo. Um. Uh, he did the Grinch, uh, the Grinch stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Um, You're not naming the good ones. Wait, no. Willow's not a good one. How dare you? I don't know. I didn't see Willow. Oh my out gosh. of out of all of those that you've mentioned, I've seen two. Okay, <laughs> so so I probably seen that. don't have an opinion. 
Okay. No, that's it's fair. one of his better ones. Um, I for me, I would say it's his last good one, like he, great one. You know what? I, I could. Say. I would be behind that too. I feel like it is one of his final really good. Though I haven't seen. Oh, someone mentioned Thirteen Lives in the. Oh, yeah, um, I haven't seen that. I haven't either. seen that. I wanted to see it, but I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I do like Solo to some degree, but right. really, this is the. I keep the waiting for the deep did. fake version where they use Harrison Ford young down. <laughs> but go ahead. Wow. What were you saying, Drew? Didn't mean to I'll, cut you off. No, I, I was just saying, yeah, this is probably his last uh, great film. I mean, but I've also mind. not watched Cinderella a lot of Ron Howard films. I yeah. mostly know Ron Howard is playing Opie Taylor on, on uh, Andy Griffith yes. show. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Richie yes. Cunningham can go sit Night on Night shift. I mean... Some of those are decent movies, but uh, no, to me, this one's the best one. Yeah. 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 I mean, Braveheart might be better, but we will well, see. Well, but that's a Ron Howard movie. <laughs> no. You know, but that's interesting because, uh, I mean, I like Braveheart, but yeah. two, I can't watch Braveheart again, but I like this movie oh. right now. It's better than Braveheart, but. He did Far and Away. Yeah, yes, I was did. surprised to see that. I'm like, really? He did Far and Away? But I really liked that movie. That was that was one that I watched repetitively for a while. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I remember, <laughs> I remember liking that. I haven't seen I it was forever. like 13. It's, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. It's a 92. I mean, it's not bad. It's good. Well, no. I was watching it in the early 2000s. Yeah. I didn't know it was on. I was watching it on VHS. <laughs> gotcha. But, but so now it's we, time. Ooh, what? I was about to say. So we rated it a uh, uh, unanimous, unanimous classic. classic. Yes, one would say that failure is not an option. Apparently not. <laughs> but unless now you're a MythBuster. But our uh, our Travis uh, our trajectories for where we're going next. We are failing at that. So we're going to stick around 1995 for a bit and see where we can where we can find everyone. Travis. Return to 20XX overrated. Comcast broadcasting while awaiting return coordinates. I want to go home! <laughs> Too bad. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Well, it feels good to still be in 1995, I think. Um, yeah, the prices are much better. <laughs> but we Especially went. on gasoline. 31, my youngest was one year old. Okay, I guess so. But we wouldn't have been able to travel back to 1995 to begin with if it weren't for our amazing reflex capacitors, namely Deborah Powers, Geek Devotion. Oh, you're right here with Celeste. Woo-hoo. Drew of the Cellcast, you're here too. Woo-hoo. Ashley Ruiz, Kenneth, and oh, who's here as well? <laughs> the trifecta. Fabulous Lomax, <laughs> Rosie Lomax, that's our Bobo, D. Tungsten, Dale, Mr. Loss, Gerald Hafner, Cool Deluxe, and uh, Dustin Warford, in addition to two other awesome patrons as well. Thank you all so, so much for keeping the Gigawatts coming. And if you want to help keep us flying for, and get bonus content for your generosity, head over to RetroRewonPodcast.com slash support to start. Do it now. And since Ken is here and he helps us review a lot of our Star Wars stuff, this next clip is dedicated to him. Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational stream, sponsored by PaulJPowers.com. <laughs> wow. So, Francisco, yes, are there any Paul. ways that uh, people could support the show without denting their bank account? Oh, uh, you know, actually, yes. If you're saving up for a, a Death Star, you don't want, have money to support the show, that's fine. Um, it needs to be rebuilt. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, Last one got a couple of pops and dings in it. Oh, yep. my word. Uh, you probably, you listening now, probably enjoyed this episode if you made it this far. So if you aren't driving, tap the share icon in your podcast player for this episode and send it to a friend saying, I know you like uh, Apollo 13 or I know you like uh, space movies. Uh, so I thought you would like uh, this podcast on it. Yeah. If you, if you are driving, <laughs> if you are driving, please pull off to the side of the road before you click share or otherwise you will crash and burn and cause a lot of death. Indeed. <laughs> Then failure. Okay, will Google, be an sign up now. <laughs> and I'll bet you, they'll thank you. <laughs> I mean, the people that you share it with, hopefully. Yes, yes. Uh, that you shared safely. Indeed. So, um, but we also want to, um, speaking of thanking people, we want to give a big virtual NASA engineer space hug. That's a good one, I hope. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> to uh, Celeste and Drew and. 
can for supporting us with their thoughts about Apollo 13. And we like to go alphabetical order. So let's start with Celeste. Is there anything cool that you got going on that people can find online about you? They can check out Geek Devotions at geekdevotions.com. It's basically where we have all of our stuff linked to. Um, Other than that, not really doing anything cool. All of my extra, extra stuff has taken a back seat because Mm. my job takes a lot of my brain power now, whereas it didn't used to. Mm. So (laughs) a lot of my my extra stuff that I do, I've kind of put on pause. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. What? Yes. Right. Well, no support. Eight reasons support. not to support. Oh, yes. oh, 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 oh. Yes, yes. <clears throat> but you should support him anyway. Yes, Go indeed. And de- defy him. <laughs> and support him. So, Drew, where can people find you online? Is there anything cool you got going on? Uh, you can find me at thecellcast.podbean.com, where we review animated movies and television shows. We just finished finally with a year of X Men. Yeah. And next and on the on, and then we're going to be starting next week with some emotional damage of our own with uh evangelion oh no <laughs> but, sorry but uh i might yeah, have ptsd uh, from that one movie wise though gonna be doing some christmas stuff coming up and then well, uh, we'll see how january next year looks okay great very cool and ken thank you how can people find you online is there anything cool you got going on well you can find me on uh, Twitch at Kennethin. So I went, I've been kind of not streaming regularly because I've been over here in Hawaii for mm-hmm. the last three and a half, for three and a half weeks. But oh, nice. uh, I, I stream, you know, most times playing different games as well as playing some train games. And also I have a show with uh, Sir Jaziel and Solomon called the Trinity Memo RPG Show. So we kind of just uh, look at the different news for MMORPGs and talk about it. So we have fun doing that. Cool. Well, awesome. Thank you again so much, Celeste, Drew, Ken, my mission controller friend, Paul, and all, you, and all you rewinders, New World, for another fun voyage. You're welcome. And you can find me, pauljpowers.com, at pauljpowers.com. All right. And you can find me on our Discord for show announcements or just to say hi. Uh, join us there at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Discord and stay up to date on the card game I am designing, Junkyard Juggernauts, at JunkyardJuggernauts.com. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box, a curated collection of podcasts, videos, and articles that will provide you a balanced meal of content. You will find culture celebrated for its past and future, satirized for its extremes, explored in study, and created anew in story. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. Thank you, Houston. And as Mission Control just said, we are now part of Culturebox Media Network. Find all the shows unpacking truth through story, comedy, and geekery at culturebox.media. Thank you, XO, and thank you all for listening. We pray you are more joyful today than when you first hit play. But like a Pokemon, we'll catch you all later for the next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Rewinder to the Lost Pod mission complete. Review audio ships logs for more details. Successful broadcast. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over.